Are you ready? Sea of Red, it's time for another Fireside Chat, the official podcast of Flames fans. It's go time. It's the eve of the opening of the Calgary Flames preseason, and as always, I'm Dan alongside Matt to discuss what's going on. And uh, Matt, we're in the middle of the Calgary-Vancouver game, and it's what, 7 nothing right now? Yeah, good times for Flames fans. You know, uh, anytime you can throw a 7 spot up and it's not even uh, the third period yet, you're doing pretty good. I remember you and I going to a preseason game one time. The Flames lost, and this Vancouver fan thought that because they won the first game, they were going to win the Cup. So by... By that logic, seven nothing with a goaltender we've never heard of. Calgary's going all the way, baby. Yes, <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> well, let's uh, <laughs> let's rewind a little bit to get here, and why don't we start with the Young Stars tournament yeah. and the first game of the Young Stars tournament. For those that don't know, this is the it used to be the rookie tournament. Now it's young players. Some of these yes. guys have a little bit of NHL experience. Um, that was in Penticton this year, as usual, and it was the Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Winnipeg Jets. And we had almost the opposite score in the first game there. Calgary lost 7-1 to one in their first game to the Vancouver Canucks prospects. Yeah, not, not surprising. Uh, Vancouver's uh, prospects are all on the older side, and like they had like four or five NHLers there. And even though like the... It just comes down to experience when you're dealing with that. And, like, most of the Flames prospects are might have had, like, one or two seasons in the AHL, if that. Uh, so the scoreline makes entire sense. Yeah, and when I look at this one and I look at my notes on why they lost, I think it was the lack of pro experience on their blue line. Jeremy Poirier was working his way back from an offseason injury, and they just didn't have the defense they needed in this one. Yeah, the, literally the only defenseman that stood out in a very positive manner was Etienne Moran. Other than that, like everybody else kind of struggled at times uh, in this game. And it, it, to be expected, like frankly, the number of walk-ons and tryout guys was high for the Flames. And, you know, when you're having tryout guys playing against NHLers, that's never going to go well. And it didn't. And no, I would say the Flames eight. improved their game as they went on here. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, I, I think the once they adjusted was a lot to better. what Edmonton or sorry, what Vancouver was, we saw them sort of straighten things up and and figure things out. Yeah, and you could see it, um, th- that the team settled the game down a lot more. Like after it was four and five for Vancouver, and it, it seems like. Uh, the team, like, the forward group was fine, uh, but they couldn't break out of their zone because the defense was poor. And I thought the goaltender, despite giving up seven goals, was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that one. It, it's one of those. It's tough when you're playing as a goalie it was a in a situation. Team, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it's tough when you're playing in a situation like that uh, where, you know, like, it, it is a mismatch. But uh, he was there for most of the pucks and composed himself well in the net. And, like, had the uh, teams been more even, the Flames probably come away with a win in that from the caliber of goaltending they received. It's just that uh, the, the Flames were playing a team that was out of their league at that point. 
Yeah, Matt Radomski's not a guy that I don't even think is under NHL contract. I don't even know if he's under AHL contract at this point. Um, yeah. But but he, you can tell that he's an older goalie. He has a little bit more experience. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. He Once he settled down and he realized what he was facing, I thought he looked okay. Yep. And then the next game here, the Calgary Flames won. It was a 4-3 win against the Edmonton Oilers alumni, or uh, not alumni, the Edmonton Oilers young guys. Um, and this was an overtime thriller with Adam Klapka getting the final goal here to uh, to give the Flames the win. I thought a much better looking team here. Obviously, we could probably talk the whole episode about how terrible Edmonton's group of prospects is. But we saw some guys here like Klapka with AHL experience. And I don't know about you. When I look at this, I think Adam Klapka stood out to me as, you know what, this is a guy. And I saw him play last year as well. But he's he stood out here to me as one of those guys that probably needs an NHL look this year. Yeah. And uh, to me, he's like this year's version of Walker Dewar, where just solid defensively, but he's like six foot eight, 250, 260 pounds. And he's fast, and and he hits, and it's one of those where, if he gets a shot in the NHL, you know, and he finds a spot on the Flames' fourth line, he'll become a fan favorite right away because you know, big giant guy coming full bore on defensemen, you know, you're gonna see defenders, you know, get out of the way because they don't need to get hit by that, um, you know, and it's one of those where he might. Uh, you know, if he gets the opportunity like Dewar, I think he might be a better player in the NHL than the AHL. And he was very good with the Wranglers last year. We'll talk about this a little later, but I think that just because of the amount of competition that he's going to have, I don't think he starts in the NHL, but I think he'd be one of these guys that you could definitely see sort of like Dewar coming in late in the year to give them something else or, um, you know, maybe a slightly different look or as kind of your first injury replacement. Yeah, like for me, uh, if you have an injury to a bottom six forward, to me, he's the first guy to call up. I think so, yeah. He was the guy that stood out for me in that one. Well, especially with the NHL being very much more about speed. Like, he is a very quick player who just happens to be a very tall man. And between the two, like, you know, when you're trying to have good quality four checks... You know, having a six foot eight guy that can separate players from the puck either by knocking them over or just out muscling them, that's very important to keep the cycle game going, which is what you really need on the fourth line for the team. So, so you know, I would not be surprised if he gets a good shot later on in the year. I agree. And the last game the Flames played was against the Winnipeg Jets. And they were never trailed in this one, winning 4-2 to two against the Jets in the last game, the matinee game. I thought that in this one, even though they won 4-2, they were on their heels a few times in the first. They, I would say after the midway point, they kind of figured out their game. They carried the play, and they were out-chancing, out-scoring the Jets. And the Jets, I think, looked a little sluggish here. Yeah. It was one of those where the team managed to weather the storm when they needed to, and it they took advantage when they needed to. And, it, you know, they were able to execute their game effectively. And, you know, the, the Jet, it, our division is kind of, and Winnipeg is kind of weird in that virtually none of the teams have very good prospects at the moment. Uh, so, 
most of the teams are very even um, outside of like Anaheim and San Jose having a couple of guys. So it's interesting to see uh, that like the Flames, when they were playing guys of an equivalent Asian experience, were able to do their thing more effectively than the other teams. So with those three games in the books, um, anybody besides Klapka that you looked at and were really impressed by? Uh, Matthew Coronado. Uh, I think he starts in the NHL. And Yeah, I, I think we all expect him to be the best guy, though. Like, I wasn't really impressed by him. He was kind of as expected. Yeah, well, yes, but, you know. He was the, the best guy on the ice, but he should be pushing for an NHL spot. Yeah, uh, it's one of those where you, you're not leaving the Young Stars tournament going, oh, well, what happened with Coronado? I thought he was supposed to be good. Like, yeah. he, he did what he needed to and was very effective. And even in the preseason game against Vancouver, he's already scored twice. And, you know, it, it's one of those where, like, I thought he did very well. Uh, guys like Klapka, uh, Peltier was okay, I think. Um yeah, you know, like the guys that you expect to be good, they were good, and you know Moran was really good. There was, you know, most of the guys that struggled for the Flames, frankly, were the guys that were like the walk-ons or the guys that were just drafted. Like uh, the Flames' first-round pick, uh, he didn't really play very noticeable, but you know, you could also tell that he was just drafted uh, compared to some of the more veteran guys. Yeah, and I think there's something there. You know, fans often expect these guys, their first-round picks, to just kind of jump in and make an immediate impact. And I think, you know, you you mentioned that, and I noticed it with a few players on all the teams who were just recently drafted. And you can tell the guys that are used to junior hockey and those guys that played, you know, ECHL or AHL hockey. Like, there's a, there's definitely a, a learning curve to jump into the pros. Yeah, and, you, you know, it's one of those where, like, Konzik, he will develop into a fairly good player, but you know you could time. see him getting out muscled at times, and you know he needs to mature and learn what it takes to be an actual professional athlete, and you know getting his weight up, and you know like those are all the things that you know the reasons why it takes two to three four years for some guys to make the NHL, but yeah, you could tell the tools were there. It's just you know ineffective due to inexperience yeah i think that pretty much sums it up for the young stars tournament and now the calgary flames have opened their main training camp and we're seeing the veterans and the rookies all coming in there some interesting stories coming out of this camp let's uh talk a little bit about what kind of the off-season stories were and that was backland lindholm and uh, Hannafin potentially not coming back. And it's interesting now as we've seen these players return to camp and have some time away. And um, just to, um, I guess, just to maybe frame this for people, Elliot Friedman posted this week in his 32 Thoughts column that he believes that Backlund wants to stay. And I think we've all known probably since last season that if Backlund was here and signed a long-term deal, he'd probably be the next flame to where the, the captain see. And we're hearing that even from his teammates. I mean, Rasmus Anderson was quoted as saying, I think the entire city of Calgary is in agreement that if Bax gets a new contract, he's the captain. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, and exactly. And if it's not uh, Backland uh, and him not resigning, then you'll see Anderson likely don the C instead. But I'm fully expecting Backland to be back. 
I think it, you know, like after last year and like everybody being pissed off with Sutter um, and like the I can see why they want out. You know, uh, and like there was thought talk that like, oh, well, he's going to stay after Treleving was let go. You know, and like basically the whole team revolted saying, uh, yeah, and you keep him, we all go. Basically was their attitude. You know, like it made sense where everybody would be like, yeah, I want out of here because, you know, it was a very toxic environment. And, you know, it's one of those where uh, now that things have calmed down over the summer, you know, like, you realize that this team still is very talented. Like, you, you don't just have, like, all those guys forgetting how to play hockey, you know, over the span of one year. And, you know, the Flames' systems uh, are being tweaked to better utilize the Flames' actual skill sets and reset it basically to the 21-22 season uh, type of deployment for the team instead of what last year was. For sure. And I just want to read one other quote here. When asked about um, re-signing or not re-signing, Michael Backlund said, we'll see what happens. It's pretty quiet right now, but we will see what happens. We haven't made a decision yet. I'm excited to be here at camp. I'm really excited to be around all the guys and the coaching staff and everyone. So we'll see where we go from here. So Elliot Friedman, pretty confident that Backlund's going to stay. I believe it was Ryan Leslie that tweeted earlier this week. He thinks that Hannafin and Lindholm will stay. Um, I have a feeling that if... I think he even said that Lindholm and Hannafin he thought would be done before the season starts. And I think in some ways, Matt, if you're going to do this, you've got to get that done. I think that becomes yeah. a sign to fans that we're well, serious and, here. Yeah, and I think that winning helps. And, you know, like the team basically, you know, like after, you know, Gaudreau and Kachuk left, like there was a lot of uncertainty in the organization of exactly what direction the team was taking and were they going to rebuild or this or that or whatever? And last year, like, everybody was kind of not on the same page. The players certainly weren't on the page, same page as the coaching staff. And, like, everything was a mess. And I think with resetting and the reconfidence in uh, the players And even just some time here, away. Yeah, that you look at, you know, like, guys like Huberto and Kadri, like, they were worth their contracts when they signed it. And, you know, one bad season for everybody uh, aside, like, those players are still elite players in this league, and they didn't forget how to play hockey. So if you have a system that's more suited to them, the Flames are going to win a lot of games because of that. And, you know, it makes sense for a veteran team to, you know, want to push for that. And, you know, you just have to look at last year's Stanley Cup champion, the Vegas Golden Knights. Their last two, three years have basically been mirror images of the Flames, where, like, two three years ago, they had won the, the division. The only difference where, is they have success. Well, no, they had won the division three years ago. Then, like, everything went wrong two years ago, and they missed the playoffs by a few points. Then last year, they rebounded and had success, and, you know, they won the Stanley Cup. But, you know, it's one of those where the Flames, I think, were not as bad as, you know, last season made them out to be. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, like, this team is still a very dangerous team, and... I think that players are going to realize that, you know, like you look at, say, Gaudreau leaving to Columbus and 
how bad they are as a team and like are going to continue to be that sometimes the grass is not greener on the other side. And we talked about it last week too. I think, you know, these players got the GM they wanted. They got the coach they wanted. They, you know, these guys were set up to stay here. And I think the flames put in the hockey personnel that were, you know, the players wanted. So I think coming back and seeing that, and if you're a player kind of going, Oh wow, you know, this is everything I wanted. This is going to be fun again. I think like you said, winning helps, but I think just knowing that, you know what, you're, you're going to be here and you're going to be successful. And like, you know, I have to imagine that the coaching staff has already talked to these guys and said, Hey, let's build a system around you, not have fit you into my system. Like, I think all the things that these guys were grumpy about coming back you probably go yeah i want to stay part of this yeah and it'll be interesting to see moving forward how um things go with this team and um like especially as we start getting into the season like if those guys aren't under contract and like the flames have a successful start to the season i wouldn't be surprised if some of them start like the signings start to happen before christmas it's you know and like i don't blame the players for you know, taking some time with it. Uh, and you know the Flames themselves want to keep those players because they're all good players. So, you know, it's just, you know, making sure that everything works for both sides and carry on. So kind of what you were saying there about successful, you know, if they're successful, sign them for Christmas. I guess outside of the idea that you floated a few times, which is, you know, this team is not successful and they sell everything that's not bolted down the deadline. Are there any of those players that, and let's throw Oliver Shillington in there as well, because he's now in his last year of his contract. Are there any of those guys that you look at and say, you know what, maybe we're better to actually move on from them. Maybe we're better to flip the asset for something else. Well, the only player out of like the current group of free agents that I'd be a little bit uh, concerned of bringing back is Chris Tanev just due to his age and durability. Um, like, uh, if he was taking a lesser amount of money, uh, I would be more than happy to have him back, but, you know, you just kind of have to pencil 20 to 30 games where he's not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, perhaps that money is better spent elsewhere, especially with guys like Poirier, uh, Solyolyov and you know others that are starting to get closer to uh, the NHL on the back end that you know perhaps the spot could be opened up there and similarly uh, like you know the feasibility of dealing Jacob Markstrom uh, might make sense if he rebounds especially if Wolf is playing as advertised just for cost cutting measures not because yeah, we want to get rid of Markstrom. Let's come back to that Markstrom idea in the future because I yeah. think I think that there's some more discussion as the season goes on there. For me, I was maybe of these three guys during the summer with the news that came out, I was maybe most mentally ready, if that makes sense, to move on from Hannafin. I didn't like the idea because I still think he's valuable here. I mean, he'll probably be on the first pair for most of the year, but I was, I had made peace with it. And going into the season now, I have to think that, you know what, even if these guys said they want it, the flames would have tried to shop them. And if you couldn't get anything in the off season, you're not getting anything mid season. So for me, I'd say, you know what, let's keep all these guys. And, you know, as you mentioned before, if we're not doing well, the deadline move on from them. But um, I, I think at this point, I, I want to have all of them back. Yeah. And, you know, figure out things, you know, in terms of cap structure for next year. Like, how do you say, like, back when I'm expecting that uh, 
the Flames are going to be trading term for dollars, and like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs a three or four year deal, where like the back end of the deal is like a two million dollar a year or a million and a half or something to lower the overall cap hit. Um, and I honestly wouldn't mind if he was back for three or four years because defensive minded players like him stick generally, um, even if it's just in a reduced role. So. Uh, you know, like you look at Patrice Bergeron, he was basically effective, as effective as he was till the day he retired. Yuri Lettinen, before he was basically the same guy his entire career. Backlund's that same type of player, just very smart two-way player. So I don't see like drastically falling off the cliff for him. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, and you look at Hannafin and uh, uh, Lindholm, they're probably going to get a six million dollar raise between the two of them four more for Lindholm and probably two more for Hannafin and it's just a matter of finding the dollars for that if you keep the pair of them yeah and I mean it's expected that the salary cap might go up as high as eight million next year so I think that you know if that's the case the Flames yeah. will definitely have some money there and I mean we can talk more about cap maneuvering in the in the future but I think that you'll be able to find that money. Yeah. It'll just depend basically. And like, and I think that's part of the reason why the flames had difficulty this off season with any potential trades, just because teams did not have the finances to actually maneuver those players. Even if they would be interested in acquiring any of those guys, they might not have the dollars that makes sense both ways where, you know, Calgary would need to either add a bad contract or eat a bad contract. And like, there's just nothing that fit really. So I agree. And I think too, for me, when I look at it, like, I guess I don't think the flames wanted to do anything because they, they wanted these guys to potentially come back. And I think that, you know, if these guys came back, they didn't want to tie themselves up with other money, not knowing what, you know, their first priority is going to bring. Yeah, and like that's why like the Toffoli trade made sense just for what they got in return for him. Um, the third round pick was turned into a very good prospect, and uh, Sharon Govich basically replaces Toffoli's role on the team. So, you know, it was just a matter of selling high for the asset, and you know, like if the Flames had uh, received a similar quality value to trading any of the other guys probably they would have made it just to shake the team up a bit but it, you know if the quality is not there you're not just going to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade either so you know it just it worked out uh, as it has now we just have to wait and see if uh, pens get put to paper on contracts and how all the dollars shake out and the last training camp story, I guess, with the veterans is Oliver Shillington, who was out all last season, has not reported to Flames training camp. The Flames have issued a statement that uh, he, the statement very carefully says he won't be there at the start of training camp. I don't want to speculate on what Oliver might be going through or what he's not going through. That's not our place to do, I don't think. Um, I hope whatever he's going through, he's able to come back soon. But I guess I'm a little worried as a Flames fan, Matt, and I bet you are too, of, you know, here's a guy who hasn't played for a whole year. Here's a guy now who's not here at the start of camp. 
is he going to be ready? Is he going to be able to play for the Flames this season? Well, that's the $64,000 question. And, you know, he has all the talent in the world to be a top four defenseman. And he was effective two years ago. And his transition game is elite. And if he can bring that, he'll have a spot. It's just, you know, it's frustrating that to see him not here again. But, you know, it's also understandable. And... Yeah, you just wish him the best and, you know, hope that whatever the issue is that it gets sorted out uh, one way or the other. And, you know, if the Flames have to move into the season without uh, Shillington, then, uh, you know, I would expect the Flames to possibly look at the waiver market because you always see uh, players getting put, you know, try to be snuck through. Uh, that they might not otherwise be able to uh, because everybody has to dump people. Uh, but, you know... And, if, I, you know, I think that even coming in as a guy who hasn't been here for a year, he's probably going to need some time to ramp up to where he was. And I still don't know what we have in Oliver Shillington. And we can talk more about this, you know, once we see him. But, I mean, during the bubble, you and I said, this is a guy who should never play for the Flames again. Then he had one good year and showed that he you know, could actually play at the NHL level. Is he going to regress? Is he going to stay where he was? Like, I think this is a guy who, I think Zadorov has earned his second pair spot right now. I think this is a guy you've got to start on the third pair and have him work his way up. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how do they utilize him when he gets in the lineup, if he gets in the lineup. It's just hard when we're just in wait-and-see mode, frankly. And, like, the team... You know, like if Shillington isn't able to go for the regular season, I think they will need to add somebody because having Gilbert or Osterley as like your everyday six uh, is not an ideal situation. And, you know, it's one of those where you, you'd like ideally like to see that guy only play like 15 to 20 games at most. And, you know, and I know that last year the Flames kind of kept him active. I think if he's not ready, just cap wise, you've got to put him on long term LTIR or even suspend him for not reporting. Yeah, basically. Like, you know, do I'm not saying it's necessarily his fault, but you've got to do what the you know what the cap dictates. Yeah, and sort of like what uh, Columbus did with Texier last year, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's one of those where because Calgary is a cap team, like they can't just ride with you know two and a half million dollars sitting there with you know not being available just because you know and it's frustrating because you know like i was excited to see him i know like we all believe in shillington and want him to succeed and you know it's like we need to actually see you dude like you know and like i'm hoping that uh all of that gets sorted out sooner than later so that way you know he can get on with his NHL career instead of whatever's holding him back. And, you know. Yeah. And and, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but either resume his NHL career and say whatever's holding him back or realize that, you know what, for whatever reason, this isn't going to work and we can go find somebody else. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy, but you know, we see guys all the time that, the NHL just doesn't work out for whatever reason. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, you've, you made your money last year. You got some money to live on and go get better and, you know, stay in hockey in some other way. Yeah. 
Um, we'll see. You know, like, uh, I think everybody is just hoping for the best for him and is wishing him well and just have to wait and see to see. So, it's not really anything that we can, you know, nope, as fans just, can just do or the see. organization can do. That's right. Yeah, just we gotta just have react to, to the react to the situation at hand when the time yeah. comes. And you know, knowing now that he might be out, and I mean, we're you know we're watching the first exhibition game as we're recording this. Osterley, I think, is looking like a you know a guy that could fill in there if you need him to. Uh, Gilbert, I think we saw last year. Like I, if Schilling doesn't come back, I'm not as worried as I was last year about filling blue line depth, even from within. Yeah, I agree, and. You and know, I have to imagine that was deliberate by Conroy. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you're going to see, like, you know, especially if you're going into the season with Australia as your number six, that uh, the Flames will be looking to see what might be available on the waiver wire or the trade market, sure. just because you know teams would rather you know get something instead of nothing if they're going to lose a guy. Uh, so you know, we'll see it. It's one of those that we'll just, you know, have to wait until October 4th or 5th, whenever the white rosters are set, and we'll know by then. So going into the season, uh, Craig Conroy, the Flames GM, had made it very clear in his opening day press conference that he was going to leave spots on this team for young players. Obviously, we haven't seen anybody really play at the NHL level yet. I mean, we're still partway through the first exhibition game. So we'll revisit this uh, before the season. But right now, let's talk about players you think have a good shot of making this. And let's break this down by position. Let's start with forwards. How many spots do you think the Flames have on their roster for young players to take? Probably three or four. I think uh, yeah, I'm assuming like forwards? the entire fourth line plus maybe one other spot. I think that one of the fourth line spots goes to Rajishka. Yeah. I, I would consider him a young player, like even though okay. he's slightly more experienced. I guess I'm thinking about guys that maybe weren't full-timers last year. Yeah. So, okay, so you got Rajishka there. I'd say you probably have his two wings and then one other spot. I yeah. think that's, yeah. So let's call it three spots excluding Rajishka. Yeah. And uh, I would expect Peltier-Dewar to take two of those spots for sure. Well, I think it's evident that Peltier is probably in there when he changed numbers this year. He debuted last year at 40, 49. Now he's got Conroy's old number 22. So generally you move to a normal number, quote-unquote, when you're ready to make that jump. So, yeah, I think he's going to get one. I think Coronado gets one. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, Coronado would be the other guy. And Does Walker-Dewar get the last spot? Yeah. And I would actually I, expect the fourth line to be Peltier, Rajitska, and Dewar. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I think right now with Walker Dewar kind of coming out of nowhere last year, you've got to give him that look. You He might not stay here all year, and I could see a guy like Adam Klapka taking over at some point. Yeah, like there's I, an even chance that Dewar regresses and, you know, is one of those guys that he had the one good year and then is basically never heard from again. Like uh, Josh Juris uh, from you know fourteen fifteen, where there's a blast just, from the past. Just awesome that one year, and then it's like, uh, okay, where'd that guy go? <laughs> yeah. And so. I guess the the other. So if we say that we've got, let's say Coronado in the top nine, Peltier, Dewar, and Rajichka on the bottom, 
uh, line that that kind of fills out your forward line, but we're we don't have a thirteenth forward then. We don't really have a veteran guy to put in there. That's we where do I could too. see. We have Rooney. <sighs> he broke my heart last year, Matt. We're not going down this road again. I thought he'd make the team, but you know, I think Rooney's one of those guys you really need on the Wranglers this year. Yeah, oh, I could see him being the thirteenth forward in the NHL. The but... only reason I couldn't is he's making a million bucks. Yeah. I think they probably want to bury that money. Yeah. It just depends on numbers. Yeah. I could totally see that if, you know, I could see them going that way for sure. I could also see Dewar and Klapka sort of rotating in and out of that 14th, uh, 13, 14 role. Or even Rajichka is a guy with some NHL experience. Like, I don't like the idea of putting a rookie as your 14 because he doesn't play. I like that idea of having almost like a Toby Reader type guy. And that's where I could see the Flames rely on the waiver wire. I could see them go pick up that 14th player, that Trevor Lewis type, the guy who's yeah, good enough. Yeah, the Brad Richards and the, you know, insert we, miscellaneous. We could, we could go through every year of whoever they've yeah, had, right? Tim Sonny Milano. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I I'm I still think that there might be one more veteran forward forward added, but it would be in a support role. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing Connor Zari playing tonight against um against the Jets. Do you think that he has a legit spot or shot at at a spot this year? Uh, probably at some point, but I don't think uh, right away. Um. I, think I, that, I could see him being an injury fill-in or coming in if the Flames, you know, clinch early, but I, I yeah. don't think this is his year to become a, a full-time NHLer. Yeah, it would be one of those where, like, if he was dominating the AHL like Pelty was last year and, like, fought his way into the lineup, sure, but it's one of those where it's not necessary for him to be here quite yet. I don't think like uh, like unless basically several of the prospects kind of are looking bad and he's looking good in with the Wranglers, then you know you make a switch at some point. But at this point, there's no real need to rush him. And I think another you know plus he missed so much time that I think that just another year of experience in the AHL will do him a world of good. I think that's exactly what I was going to say, too, is I think for a guy who's missed some time, um, you know, you want to keep him in the AHL. And I've said this before. I think there's a lot of benefit to having your AHL team in Calgary and being able to view these guys and that sort of thing. So I don't see any reason to, you know, rush him up or bring Zari up right away. You've got two more years in his deal. I think if you're going to bring a guy up from the farm, there's other guys there. I mean, I'd probably at this point try Cole Schwint before I try him. Yeah. Or, you know... Pedersen or even Jones, you know, Pospisil, some of these older guys who yeah. I think you give know, them you, their their cup of coffee to see what they've got. Yeah, Dryden yeah. Hunt even. Yeah, and it's one of those where Calgary can afford to be patient because of having sure. Lindholm, Kadri, uh, and Backlund and Dubé and Rajitska. Like they have enough centers where they're good. Like they don't need to rush Zari, and in the game like Zari doesn't really look out of place but he doesn't really look great either uh no I'd rather he go down to the HL and be the big fish in the small pond yeah it's sort of the same critiques that I mentioned with Hanzik where just you know not quite there yet um you know we'll just see 
Looking at that list that I just mentioned, actually, if they want to bring up a number 14 forward from the farm, I could see Dryden Hunt taking that role. Yeah. He's 27. I think that's the kind of and guy that you know. speaking of, Connor Zari just scored on the power play. Of course he did. Yes. The Flames, we, the he Flames heard us have talking seven. about him, so. They, they got the, the one-point conversion. Yeah. Two-point conversion. It's eight. Or two points, now. yes. So I guess they're uh, they're going for the second one. Yep. So let's now move to the back end. The Flames, if we look at their defensive core, let's take Shillington out of it for now. We have Anderson, Hannafin, Zadorov, Uyghur, Tanev. You've got probably two spots. You've got your six and your seven spot. Yeah. Do you think the Flames fill those from with from within? And if so, I mean, you talked about going on waivers, but if you think they can fill them from within, who gets those roles? Well, uh, Solyolyev is looking really good and NHL ready, pretty much. It, like, if you wanted to uh, go with somebody internal, I would, you know, I would be deferring to him uh, as the first option. Uh, he's twenty three, and he just looks. You know, he's a big man, and, you know, the, he looks ready as an NHL defenseman. Uh, similarly, like Poirier, if he was healthy, I think he'd be pushing for it. But I think realistically, uh, if you're going internal, the six, seven guys are going to be Osterley and Gilbert. Um, and, like, that's kind of why, like, uh, you know, I, your ideal situation is having Osterley as your number seven in the NHL in Michael Stone's place and Gilbert being your first call-up. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those where, you know, if you can get somebody either through trade or waivers, that's great. If not, that'll do. But it's yeah, not ideal. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd bring up any of the young defensemen here. I think that, you know, at 31, that six, let's call it six, seven spot was made for Osterley. And yeah. then I think, you know, Gilbert gets the extra spot if there is one. Um, D. Simone looked okay last year. I think it'll depend on how he looks at camp. Yeah. I've kind of soured on Colton Pullman at this point. Yeah, same here. I think he's, you know, a serviceable AHL defenseman. Yeah. I thought at one point he might be a, you know, a five, six guy. But at this point, I think that you're, you know, whatever spots are available are between D. Simone, Osterley, and Gilbert. Yeah. I, I think uh, Solyolyev is pushing his way into that conversation, but you know, I think it, he could be. But I think the Flames would also probably say to him, "You know what? Go be our our top pair guy in the AHL." Yeah, I agree. And I think like if the Flames had an injury where you're needing, or a couple of injuries, I think you would see him come up for a few games. But uh, you know, I don't see him being ready to go for the full season. And similarly, Poirier, I could see coming up part of the way through the year as well, just to give a For look. For sure. And then I guess the one that fans are most excited about is goaltenders. Obviously, the Flames have three, let's call them NHL-ready goaltenders in Markstrom, in um, Dan Vladar, and in Dustin Wolf. And I'm going to say here, again, I might change my mind going into the preseason or going into the season after seeing the preseason. I think that the Flames will start with two goalies. I think it'll be uh, Vladar and Markstrom, and I think that Wolf will start in the American League. You don't want to run three goalies. It's not a good scenario. But I think that you will see Wolf potentially take that spot by Christmas. There's always a team that's uncomfortable with their goaltending or lose a goalie early. And I can see Vegas being unhappy with their goaltending. So I think yeah. you you run with the guys who are easy because Wolf doesn't have to clear waivers. So yeah. you send him down to the American League. You leave him there until you can make the right deal to potentially move Ladar. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's one of those where you just kind of have to wait and see how the goaltenders are performing. Because uh, Vladar is young. He might be able to figure it out. And, be well, a starting and that was going to be my next point, is we still don't know what we have in Dan Vladar. Yeah, and uh, Markstrom, you know, like, it's a little bit trickier to trade him because of the term. Markstrom wouldn't get traded before the deadline. Uh, if no, they're gonna move. but uh, it's one of those where I think that, like, if you're trading Markstrom, it's going to be more of a hockey deal where, like, contract for contract. And, yeah. like, you know, the Flames getting, like, a, you know, like, an adequate performing Basically the Neil Lucic type trade, but not that. Yeah. And I mean, Vladar's only played 55 NHL games. Like, we still don't know what we have here. And the Flames brought him in because they saw something there. So I think, honestly, you've got to kind of give Vladar... Last year, Vladar bailed the Flames out. You and I talked a number of times how he was the best-looking goalie for part of last season. Like, I think you've got to give this guy a chance to lose that spot. Yeah, and you can't it, just kind of pencil Wolf in there because he's the hot young guy. You've got to let Vladar either yeah. keep it or lose it. Yeah, and it's one of those where you know, like, frankly, I'm looking at this season and kind of uh, ex- with the expectation that Vladar and Markstrom will be the goaltending tandem for the majority of the season, with Wolf only getting playing time if there's injuries, which there I, there's bound to be at some point, and. Yeah. You know, he might get called up a few times, to, you know, throughout the season because it is really convenient because you just have to go to the room down down the hall. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And the Flames will definitely have some flexibility. And, like, especially, like, if the goaltending struggles, like, mightily like they did last year, I could see them just pulling the trigger and saying, well, we're just going to run with the three-headed monster for a bit and we'll fear the guy and, you know, it's your job to lose, and we'll figure out the details later. Yeah, I can see that, too, and I can also see them. I mean, we often see them take an extra guy here or there um, when they go on, you know, road trips, and they've got a couple sort of back-to-back road trips this season. So I could see them. I think they've got one in, well, two in November, then they do Toronto, Ottawa, and then Dallas, uh, Colorado, both on weekends. So I could see them maybe bringing them along for those. But we know the team wants the Wranglers to be competitive, and as soon as you bring Wolf up, I fear that the Wranglers are no longer competitive. Yeah. I mean, Oscar Dansk is a great goalie for the AHL, but he's not the guy that you, you know, hit your wagon to. No. Like, if your NHL team or AHL team is employing Dansk as the primary guy, you're uh, in an emergency mode. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's he's okay at that level, and I'm sure there's some teams that could kind of work around him, you know, because they have a good enough set of defensemen forwards, the flames aren't there. So I think there's a balancing act there to be played with Wolf. And I don't think you can just give Wolf the job. Um, I, I do expect though, during this off season that we'll see Wolf face more NHL talent. Like yeah. tomorrow night's a split squad game. We'll talk more about that. I could see them sending Wolf to Seattle to play against what we expect to be a very veteran laden roster. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those where, like Wolf has basically outgrown the AHL and is pretty much NHL ready. And it's just uh cap circumstances that are holding the team back, frankly, at the moment. And it'll be just uh, a matter of seeing basically. And, you know, like teams that are struggling with their 
goaltending during the season or in next offseason are going to look at the Flames and say, hey, you know, like if Markstrom plays serviceably, you know, two years at six million, that's eatable. You know, and if you know, you're like a Flames a, fan and you like trade rumors and negotiations, I think that watching the goaltenders is really where you want to be keeping an eye on this year. Yeah. Because um, especially because of the Flames needing to shed dollars uh, for possible extensions for guys that you know it it just makes sense that you know eating uh, marks from six million dollars and you know finding a different use for it will benefit the team greatly. It's just finding a situation that works uh, more than anything. Well, I think that covers the majority of our big discussion topics. A couple um, other notes I wanted to put in here. The Calgary Flames have signed Parker Bell, who is a uh, six-foot um, player. He's from Campbell River, BC. He shoots left. He's played left wing. He was their fifth-round pick in 2022, and they've signed him to an entry-level deal. He played for the Tri-City Americans since 2019-2020. He's currently 19 years old. He turns 20 on September 26th, so two days from now he turns 20. I have a feeling they probably signed him with that 20th birthday in mind. I could see this guy jumping to the AHL. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't see him going back. I mean, he's had some really successful years in Tri-City. He played two games last year with the Wranglers and got one assist. I think you're going to see Parker Bell jump to the American League. Yeah, and I think that the that would be a good spot for him. And I think especially with us expecting you know two or three American League guys to get promoted, they need some bodies. So, you know, I think this might be a good year for Bell to do that because if you're getting a guy like Peltier promoted, there's a spot for a similar type of player to what I think Bell projects to be within that lineup. Yeah, I agree. And then I guess the the last thing I wanted to put out here before we preview the games for the week, um, we have a new radio voice for the Calgary Flames. Those that don't know, um, Derek Wills is still doing play-by-play. Color commentary, which was Peter Labardius last year. Uh, will now be done by former uh, women's hockey player Megan Mickelson. And if you listen to Fan 960 during any of the preseason games, you'll be able to hear her. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, the the Wranglers have a female voice. Now we're seeing Megan Mickelson on the radio. We've heard Cassie on TV for a while. I think it's cool that we're getting more women integrated into this. And yeah. Listening to to Megan Mickelson tonight, I thought she's doing well in that role. Like, you know, yes, you can tell her and and um Derek will still have some some chemistry to work out between the two of them, but she was inf- insightful. Um, I thought that she was really good at, you know, providing good commentary. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And for those that don't know, Mickelson's from Regina. Um, she played. She grew up in Saint Albert, and I believe that she played a year or two for the Calgary Inferno. So uh, she was also an Amazing Race Canada. So someone who's very much involved in you know, professional hockey and Alberta hockey, which is great to see as well. Yep. So I'm uh, looking forward to hearing her thoughts during the course of the season. For sure. Yeah. I was listening to the game on, on the radio tonight for one period, just cause I wanted to hear what she sounded like. And I was pleasantly surprised by what I heard so far. Well, Matt, since it's preseason, we won't actually record our predictions for, um, for the, I guess the games ahead because it doesn't count for anything, just like the Flames, but let's talk about what we expect here. We won't recap today. Uh, the Calgary Flames are running away with this game, so we yeah, know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's 9 Yep. 
Um, and but Ben Jones added another one, so it's nine nothing. There now. you go, the sniper Ben Jones. Yeah. At this point, you're kind of expecting the goalie to score, aren't you? Well, Dansk is in there, so you know, let's get one for. Her. I mean, do you go to the dressing room it. and kick yourself afterwards if you're the guy who doesn't score? We want ten. We That's want right. ten. There's 18 guys dressed, so that means it, well, I guess we've had some some goals. Multi- one guy scored multiple goals, but half the lineup could have scored at this point. Um, so we have tomorrow night on Monday, that would be September 25th, a split squad game. So the Calgary Flames will be playing here at the Dome against Seattle Kraken. And at the same time, they'll be playing in Seattle against Seattle Kraken. For those that are going, well, how can they play two games at once? Generally, what happens during a split squad game is when you're at home, you'll play a more veteran laden lineup and you will be facing a more rookie young player lineup. So Calgary will probably keep their vets here at the Dome. And they'll probably get a more younger AHL, you know, junior group of uh, Seattle players. And then we'll probably send a younger group to Seattle to play against their veterans. Yep. And then on Wednesday, the Flames are at the Dome again against Winnipeg. And then Friday, they're at the Dome again against the Edmonton Oilers. So, Matt, what are you thinking for this week? Uh, well, I think they're going to win tonight's game. I'm not sure. Going out on a limb there. Uh, it's not over till the fat lady sings. Yeah, uh, I think that they should uh, do fairly well in the home games. Um, I don't really see them losing uh, too many of the home games. The road game, they might drop. But. See, I'm I'm thinking that they split the uh, they split the split squad. I think they'll beat Edmonton. I think they might have some trouble with Winnipeg. Just because I don't think that they're going to keep playing a veteran-laden group this entire time. Yeah. And I th- and I, I have a feeling that especially after tonight, you're going to take some of those veterans out of the lineup. And so I think as veterans come out, I can see them um, I can see them not doing as well. Yeah. I, can I think that. you'll play vets against Edmonton, but I can't see them playing as many vets against Winnipeg. Yep. So I'm going to go uh, split the split squad, win against Edmonton, lose against Winnipeg. And the last thing, I guess, to let everybody know is it's been teased on social media for a little bit now. By the time you listen to this, we will have the new Fireside Chat website designed live. It's many years in the making. It's going to have better mobile support. So for those of you that use it on your phone or tablet, uh, the site has better mobile support. It's going to be easier to use. It's going to make it so that you can find our information a lot easier and it'll load faster. This has been my summer project is getting the new website up. It's soft launched by the time everybody... uh, here's this and all i would ask is for a little bit of patience on it i'm still tweaking things and working through some last minute things but the more we use it the more reports i get on what works and doesn't work and that sort of thing from some software in the background so when you listen to this go battle test the website try it out see what you think feel free to send us feedback but even if you don't just using it will help me get some some stats and some uh data on how it's being used and how i can tweak it so give us a week to get it all set up but uh Matt, it's been eight years now since we've changed our website design. Oh, I know. We've been doing this a while, you know. It's, this it's is been a like ep- episode 331, you know. It's... For those that don't know, um, I'm a web developer by trade. And do you remember that old saying, uh, the shoemaker's kids don't get new shoes? And I've always been so busy working on other websites, I haven't had time for ours, but I've had some time off. So I'm like, well, let's go in and finally do this. And I have four or five iterations I've kind of merged together and figured out my code soup that I've written over the years. And I'm, I think it's going to be a really nice change. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing it when it goes fully live. Um, yeah. 
I think that's it for this week, Matt. Yep. And as always, go Flames, go. We want to. Fireside Chat is hosted by Dan Stevenson, co-hosted by Matt DeBorg. This episode produced and edited by Peter Marino. Fireside Chat is licensed under Creative Commons license. For full license details, visit firesidechat.ca.